Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide. The heartbeat of Saskatchewan is agriculture. 620 CKRM is proud to be your voice for everything ag. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with your host, Jim Smalley. And a good afternoon. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture. Another day in mid-January. It's overcast and foggy and mild. It's wonderful. This is brought to you by Harvard Western Insurance. We don't judge. Here's another reminder to renew your plates today. Visit harvardwestern.com. And brought to you by the Arcola Co-op. You're at home here on Highway 13 in Arcola. Today we have the latest Sasquatch market outlook. We also take a look at grain shipments from war-torn Ukraine. APAS discussed the shortage of rural veterinarians at the recent annual meeting, and we have full details. Manitoba's Ag Days opened this morning in Brandon. The farm weather is in its usual spot at the bottom of the hour. This is Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM News Director Jim Smalley. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today brought to you by Johnston's Grain, your first and last stop for grain pricing and crop protection. And brought to you by Farm Fresh Water. They'll make your well water wonderful and your dugout drinkable. Get your Farm Fresh Water today at farmfreshwater.ca. The latest Sasquatch market outlook says Canadian wheat exports are running 66% ahead of last year's pace at this date. Market analyst Michael Wilton with Mercantile Consulting compiled the report. He says wheat exports are getting back to regular business after the Christmas and New Year's break. In the significant purchases and trades, Egypt bought 60,000 tons of Russian wheat last Tuesday at $337 a ton. They then added an additional 60,000 tons the day later for the same price. Turkey bought 565,000 tons of February-March delivery wheat at a range of prices to eight different ports at levels that seem to reflect close to $300 per ton. Korea bought 130,000 tons of April-May feed wheat at $343 to $344 a ton. This is roughly what corn is worth into Korea. U.S. export sales amounted to just 91,000 tons for the week, leaving the season total at 555 million bushels, down 6% from last year. In some of the most important news that happened in the wheat markets, starting in Canada, Canada exporters shipped 477,000 tons of wheat during shipping week 23. This makes for a season total of 8.6 million tons, or 66% more than last year. Weekly exports need to average around 356,000 tons for the remainder of the year to meet the AAFC's 18.9 million ton number. We think this should be met and surpassed. Another 174,000 tons of Durham was shipped in shipping week 23 for a year-to-date total of 2.1 million tons, 76% more than last year. In the U.S., 
Most of the news last week was the data dump by the USDA on Thursday. The USDA released the January WASDA report, as well as the Winter Wheat Seeded Area report and Grain Stocks report. For the U.S. wheat, USDA increased beginning stocks by 29 million bushels. Use was raised by 33 million bushels for a 4 million bushel decrease in ending stocks to 567 million bushels, down 14% from last year. Exports were left unchanged at 775 million bushels. This is 3% less than last year, but is likely too high. For the spring wheat class, the USDA increased U.S. spring wheat beginning stocks by 6 million bushels. Total supply was only 1 million bushels higher, which suggests that imports were reduced by about 5 million bushels. Use was unchanged for a 1 million bushel increase to ending stocks to 120 million bushels, down 14% from last year. For U.S. Durham, the USDA raised carrion by 1 million bushels. Imports were increased by 4 million bushels for a 5 million bushel increase in the Durham supply. Domestic use was raised by 10 million bushels for a 5 million bushel decrease in ending stocks to 28 million bushels, up 33% from last year. In the seeded area report, the USDA put U.S. winter wheat seeding at 14.9 million hectares, up 11% from last year. Hard red winter wheat area is forecast up 10%, and soft red winter wheat is up 3%. For the stock report, the USDA lowered December 1st stocks by 10 million bushels from last year, and 80 million bushels below what trade was expecting. Michael Wilton is a market analyst with Mercantile Consulting and compiled this week's outlook for the Sasquatch website. Coming up, he discusses grain movement out of war-torn Ukraine. Back to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Spawley on 620 CKRM. Canadian wheat shipments are 66% higher this crop year compared to last year's drought-reduced crop. Market analyst Michael Wilton says grain shipments are getting back to regular business. Wilton has an outlook on wheat exports from war-torn Ukraine and Russia. There is still little snow in Russia or Ukraine, but the cold temperatures are easing and are no longer concerned to the winter wheat crop. The USDA left Russian wheat production and exports at 91 million tons and 43 million tons respectively. 91 million tons of wheat are 21% more than last year. This amount is composed of 68 million tons of winter wheat and 23 million tons of spring wheat. Russia's record wheat crop was produced on 28.7 million hectares of land, with a record average yield of 3.17 tons per hectare. The USDA's production estimate for Russia is over 10 million tons less than Russia's own 101.9 million ton production estimate. This would mean a yield of 3.5 tons per hectare. The USDA says that this kind of estimate is not justified. The USDA increased Ukraine's production and exports by half a million tons each, to 21 million tons and 13 million tons respectively. Exports from the Black Sea will depend on the ability of shippers to get insurance. This is growing increasingly difficult as insurers are no longer offering war insurance for vessels in the Black Sea. Ukraine's AgroConsult says that 2023-24 winter wheat planted area in Ukraine is 3.8 million hectares, down 40% from last year. 
They are expecting production to be down 16% from last year at 15.8 million tons. Michael Wilton compiled this week's market report for the Sasquatch website. Time now for Real Agriculture with Sean Haney on 620 CKRM. This is your realagriculture.com update. Bring the energy of Real Ag Radio to your next customer meeting or conference. From your stage, we'll record an episode in person to inform and provide insight on the latest in agriculture. Email advertising at realagriculture.com to learn more about this unique keynote opportunity. For Real Agriculture and Real Ag Radio, I'm Kelvin Hepner. I'm pleased to be joined now by John Daniels. John is the fertilizer product manager with Patterson Global Foods based in Winnipeg. And uh, John, when it comes to the fertilizer market, speaking specifically about nitrogen, we have m- seen a bit of a, a softening in prices as uh, as the winter has unfolded here. Yeah, that's right. I guess what's been driving the high fertilizer prices in the past couple of years has really been energy costs. So mostly it's been uh, natural gas values in Europe and in Asia, uh, and that's been shutting um, production off there. So less supply um, equals higher prices. So um, at the beginning of this fall, um, with Russia cutting off energy supplies into uh, into Europe, there was a bit of a panic to stockpile natural gas there. So when they did that, gas prices spiked and factories came off. Uh, as it happened, Europe did a great job at importing natural gas, and so they were able to fill the reserves before the winter. They had some favorable weather, so um, gas prices maybe not all it was thought to be. So gas prices are coming down, and we're seeing fertilizer prices uh, come down alongside of that. So, so the main thing would be Europe that stockpiling is over and now winter it seems in Europe has been quite a bit warmer than expected maybe aren't using as much the demand isn't as high allowing more of those plants to come on stream what do we know about European production at this point are most of those plants fired back up some they've restarted some nat- uh, some ammonia production so I guess um, it should have started with natural gas as the main input to nitrogen fertilizer so the first thing they make is ammonia and so the cost of producing ammonia versus the world values is starting to come back in line so they're seeing some restarting of production there. The urea production hasn't responded quite as much, but uh, other areas in the world have been in, able to increase their supply. And some of the trade routes uh, in and out of Russia have uh, been resumed as the world gets more used to the conflict that's going on there. Overall, are we kind of in a normalizing period right now where we're maybe not returning back to the pricing that we saw prior to Russia's invasion of Ukraine and everything escalating last year? Uh, but maybe a bit of, like you said, trade flows normalizing and people getting a a grasp of how the market could look going forward? We are in a period of returning to normal. So we're figuring out different trade flows. Uh, So product from Russia that used to go to Europe uh, is now finding other homes. Um, They are finding ways to ship product that doesn't go through the Black Sea. Um, we are finding ways to get natural gas and energy flowing across the world. And so we're going back to normal. So um, price is always usually a function of inventory. So we're slowly rebuilding. We're not quite there. It's not going to happen overnight. It may take a year or two as we get back towards normal, but we are starting to progress in that direction. Is the floor of that normal market going to be higher than what it was in the past because of the politics and, and everything of Europe? not being wanting to be as reliant on natural gas coming from Russia? 
Yes. So I would say that uh, European energy policy is going to have a, a big impact on markets in the next couple of years. So in general, they want to cut reliance on Russian oil and Russian natural gas. They're talking about importing uh, like LNG, liquefied natural gas, and looking for partners around the globe to help with that. So that's not um, adjusting a continent's energy system is not something that can happen overnight. So I think over the next few years, uh, energy security in Europe is going to continue to be a factor. Uh, it maybe won't be as acute uh, as it was this past year, but it's going to probably set a floor of what we consider normal. What about China and the impact of China in the the global fertilizer market? They, of course, have restricted their exports the last uh, last period with rising prices. Uh, where do they sit right now, and are, are they still in a situation where they're not putting supply into the into global market? Yeah, so when energy prices peaked, uh, they peaked in China as well. China is the world's biggest consumer of nitrogen fertilizer. They have one of the biggest populations to feed. They also are one of the big world's biggest producers uh, of nitrogen. China has eased um, restrictions a little bit. This past summer, we saw some more uh, urea exported out of China into India. Uh, they're currently still restricting what they export, but the expectation is that we will see more product coming out of there um, over the next year. This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com. It's your agri-weather forecast on the voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devin at 352-1866. And Moose Jaw Truck Shop, the number one choice for any diesel engine repair. Drop in, no appointment necessary, or visit moosejawtruckshop.com. Today, cloudy, 30% chance of light snow and risk of freezing drizzle. Fog patches dissipating at the noon hour. Light winds today, the high minus 8. Fog patches again tonight, the low minus 10. Tomorrow, cloudy, 30% chance of light snow and risk of freezing drizzle. Fog patches dissipating tomorrow morning. Wind southeast 20, the high minus 5, the low minus 7. Thursday, cloudy, the high minus 5, the low minus 13. Friday, partly cloudy, the high minus 4, the low minus 8. Saturday, partly cloudy, the high minus 2, the low minus 6. Sunday, partly cloudy, the 30% chance of flurries Sunday, the high minus 4. 60% chance of evening flurries Sunday with a low minus 15. Monday, partly cloudy, the high minus 14. Normal high for this date, minus 11. The normal low is minus 23. The sun rose at 8.52 this morning. It sets at 5.25 tonight. And currently, around the province, the hot spot right now is the Cypress Hills in the southwest corner at minus 2. The cold spot, Watrous, at minus 15. We have Regina is overcast, minus 11. That's 13 above Fahrenheit. Winds are from the east, southeast at 21. Humidity is 87%. The barometer rising 101.7. On the roundup, Estevan and Saskatoon minus 11, Swift Current minus 6, Weyburn minus 10, Yorkton is minus 12. In Moose Jaw, Fog and minus 9, Windsor from the southeast at 22. Once again, Regina overcast and minus 11, that's 13 Fahrenheit. Back in a moment. This spring, apply pre-emergent Edge Microactive Group 3 herbicide from Gowan Canada before seeding your canola, peas, or lentils. Maximize yield today and manage resistance tomorrow. Always read and follow label directions from Gowan Canada. 
You're tuned to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today on the Voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougal Auctioneers. McDougalAuctions.com And brought to you by Patterson Liquid Systems. Experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizer's just better when it's wetter. Patterson Liquid Systems. Expect the best. Rural Saskatchewan is facing many of the same challenges attracting large animal veterinarians to work in local practice as there are for new medical grads to work at hospitals in regional centres outside Saskatoon and Regina. And when you do get a younger veterinarian to a rural practice, there's the need for a work-life balance to avoid an early burnout. The topic was discussed last month during a panel discussion at the Agricultural Producers Association of Saskatchewan Annual Convention in Saskatoon. There were three people on the panel, Dr. Sarah Allen, President of the Saskatchewan Veterinary Medical Association, Dr. Stephanie Smith, the Chief Veterinary Officer with the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture, and Dr. Gillian Muir, Dean of the Western College of Veterinary Medicine at the U of S. APAS delegates were able to ask questions to the panel following their presentations. This one came from a producer in the Norquay area, about an hour northeast of Yorkton. I uh, sit on the Norquay uh, vet board, and we've been looking for a vet for probably 10 years. Our present vet is near 80 with health problems. And uh, I'm wondering, we do own the clinic, publicly own the clinic, and I'm wondering what we can do to attract someone. This was the reply from Dr. Sarah Allen, president of the Saskatchewan Veterinary Medical Association. We have veterinarians that are just done, and they have more than served their time. So once they get a new vet in there, they may not want to provide the mentorship that a new grad wants. So I think in order to attract new grads, we need to be able to reassure them that there's going to be some sort sort of mentorship there in some form. And the other thing is that it's been a while since there's been a, a survey on this, but it's been done and the work has been done to show that the after hours demands of the profession are a huge retention issue. So that's something that I think the whole profession needs to work on for those smaller areas. How do we share that load, right? So that those people who are in a small area on their own aren't constantly having their phone ring or text messages dinging all the time because it burns them out pretty quickly so as far as specific solutions for what you can do to attract them I think initially trying to make sure that there's gonna be some sort of mentorship there for them and that you can can show that to them and potentially financial incentives like we've talked about may help but I don't think the financial part of it is honestly the biggest issue I think the mentorship and the after hours are the bigger issues that need to be addressed to keep people in in smaller areas an APAS delegate who has a daughter in the veterinary profession noted that 85% of students are now women. He questioned if those graduates have the proper information about working in a rural veterinary practice. This is Dr. Gillian Muir, Dean of the Western College of Veterinary Medicine at the U of S. Most of them get in, again, through the ag program in, at University of Saskatchewan. So they understand the industries, they understand what it, what it takes to be a large number of veterinarians. Now, does anybody understand what it's really like to be on call all the time? No, nobody does, right? But we talk about that. It's one of the things we teach them in second year. We've, they've got a business course every single year. Second year is how to sign contracts, how to read a contract. So we know that that's an issue, and, and they learn that, that work all the way through. 
Yes, 80 to 85% of our applicants are women, 80 to 85% of our grads are women, and our large animal vets are women, and they're just doing a crackerjack job out there, working their butts off. Dr. Stephanie Smith used to work in a large animal veterinary practice and is now the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture's Chief Veterinary Officer. She says there are opportunities for both younger vets and producers to learn from the current situation. People that are coming out want to have a life after 9 p.m. or midnight when most of us got home. It's, it's not even 6, it's later. And the way that the profession operates, how far out you have to go, how much you're traveling, how long the hours you're working is challenging. So I think there's room here that the profession itself needs to look at. How do we change expectations? Because we're a for-service industry, it, it is about the economics because we have to put the bill at the end of the day. We can't be like public health care, right, and do what we like to do and still get a check at the end of the day. We have to get out there and make that money to keep the lights on. So that makes it really challenging sometimes when you have to go full out to get that funding and yet have people complain at the, at the end of the day that you charge too much. So it really does burn you out. So I think there's opportunities here for the profession to look at. How do we change ourselves so we're not setting ourselves up to fail by saying, hey, you, you shouldn't be expected to work 36 hours without food, without food and water. Why do you think I went to government? Now I actually get a lunch break every once in a while. <laughs> in practice, I sure didn't. But the other piece of that is, I think, is for APAS and for livestock associations and for animal owners in general, to think about that as well because we are the other humans at the end of this equation and there are instances that push people out of practice with how they're treated when they're out there right so I think there are good opportunities there for everybody to think about how can we better support those vets in our VTs so that when they come out we're not giving them the third degree and running them out of that profession and burning them out so I think it's a two-way street profession has opportunity to change and grow but the clients at the other end have the opportunity to be better educated about what we're facing and find opportunities to support as well. Dr. Stephanie Smith is the Chief Veterinary Officer with the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture. She was one of three people on a panel at last month's APAS convention that discussed the shortage of large animal veterinarians in rural Saskatchewan. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Degelman Industries. Look to Degelman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market. And Arcola Building Supplies, small town lumberyard, big on service. ArcolaBuildingSupplies.com Manitoba Ag Days opened this morning in Brandon with crowds expected to surpass 40,000 for the three-day show. Media coordinator Teresa Volotin says there's something of interest for every farmer at the show. The crowds are looking great. We had a wonderful kickoff breakfast, started bright and early, serving hot breakfast and welcoming everyone back to the show. And now the hallways are filling up, the theaters are filling up, and we're excited to have everyone back at the Keystone Centre. What are some of the topics in the theaters? This morning, we heard from learning about egg with Maddie and agriculture diversified. We have a buzz around economics and agriculture with nitrogen use. And right now, Big Daddy Taz is giving us some laughter out of our minds. What's coming up this, this afternoon? This afternoon, we have the Iron Revolution in the MNP Theater and Know Your Business in the FCC Theater. So we'll have talking about prices, how high is too high, knowing your rights at delivery, and equipment used being the new news. And then we'll finish off the seeking program at 4 p.m. with Peter Zihan talking about agriculture at the end of the world. Teresa Volotin is the media coordinator with Manitoba Ag Days. The three-day show opened today in Brandon. Here's the market updates with Jim Smalley on 
620-CKRM. Market update brought to you by Freeze Tallman Lumber. Since 1956, Freeze Tallman has been your trusted building material supplier for every type of project. Freeze Tallman in Regina and Fort Capel. And Farm Fresh Water. They'll make your well water wonderful and your dugout drinkable. Get your Farm Fresh Water today at farmfreshwater.ca. And also brought to you by Nelson GM in Assiniboia and Avonlea. Looking for the perfect vehicle? They'll find a match that exactly fits your agriculture lifestyle. Proudly serving southern Saskatchewan for over 60 years. Grain prices were showing downward movement in early trading. Viterra prices for canola fell 240 at 824.12. Number one red spring wheat dropped 429 at 412.71. The rest were unchanged. Durham 492.61. Feed barley 356.57. Chickpeas 925.95. Flax 682.98. Lentils, 737.50. Oats, 239.32. Yellow peas, 467.70. And feed wheat, 289.56. On the Minneapolis Grain Exchange, hard red spring wheat for March dropped 8 cents at 904 and a quarter cent a bushel. It's the Livestock Reports on the Voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. The Livestock Quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn Livestock, 842-4574. Now the latest quotes. This is the market report for the Weyburn Livestock Exchange for the week of January 17th. Our last regular sale was on January 4th. D1 and D2 cows sold from $0.90 cents to $1.03. D3 cows sold from $0.80 cents to $0.90. Cents. Counter cows sold from $0.60 cents to $0.75. Cents. Heiferettes sold from $1.50 to $1.60. And good butcher bulls sold from $1.10 to $1.25. We had our first pre-sorted calf sale here yesterday. The market is up at least $0.30 cents from last year, 300 to 400 pound steers averaged three dollars and twenty seven cents and sold up to three dollars and fifty cents. Four hundred to four fifty pound steers averaged three dollars and sixteen cents and sold up to three dollars and forty one cents. Four fifty to five hundred pound steers averaged three dollars and eighteen cents and sold up to three dollars and forty one cents. Five hundred to five fifty pound steers averaged three dollars and seven cents and sold up to three dollars and twenty four cents. 550 to 600 pound steers averaged two dollars and 98 cents and sold up to three dollars and 11 cents. 600 to 650 pound steers averaged two dollars and 83 cents and sold up to three dollars and nine cents. 650 to 700 pound steers averaged two dollars and 73 cents and sold up to two dollars and 95 cents. 700 to 800 pound steers averaged two dollars and 56 cents and sold up to two dollars and 80 cents. And 800 to 900 pound steers averaged two dollars and 42 cents and sold up to $2.55. Heifers were about 40 to 45 cents back from the steers. Some of the highlights from the sale were a load of 430-pound grasser steers at $3.41 a pound, a load of 500 grasser steers at $3.23 a pound, a load of 550-pound black steers at $3.11 a pound, a group of 600-pound tan steers at $3.09 a pound, a group of 650-pound tan steers at $2.95 a pound, a group of 700-pound tan steers at $2.80 a pound. A load of 775-pound Angus steers at $2.55 a pound. And a load of 880-pound exotic steers at $2.42 a pound. This has been Stephanie Digg reporting from the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. The market that gets the cattle and the prices too. And now the latest Saskatchewan pork prices. Ham sold 8,000 hogs Monday. Selling a range of 185 to 196 per CKG. Today's sales are expected to be around 6,700 head. 
selling at a range of 185 to 196 per CKG. Hamster and Sows this week are up, selling in the range of 34 to 40 cents per pound live weight. Hamps cash hog price today is down, and forward contract prices opened higher this morning. On Monday, the Canadian dollar is up 5 basis points, with the daily exchange rate at 1.3397. The Canadian dollar is currently trading at 74.77 cents U.S. Daily U.S. cash prices are trending lower to start the holiday shortened week, with the Western Corn Belt $1.22 lower, while the National Farm Business are down over $1.75 U.S. 100 weight relative to the previous week's benchmark. Coming up, the Resource Report. This is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Here's Jim Smalley. Now the Resource Report, brought to you by Second Look Online Auction. Visit 2ndlookonlineauction.com to see what's up for bid. The government of Saskatchewan, along with Manitoba, is in federal court today to intervene in a judicial review of the Vancouver Port Authority's new gateway fees. The province says these fees could significantly increase costs for Saskatchewan goods moving through the Port of Vancouver. The fees range from 8 to 40 cents per tonne for bulk, non-containerized cargo, including grain and potash. A number of companies, including Regina-based Viterra, are seeking a judicial review of the increase. In 2020, 44% of all Saskatchewan exports went through Vancouver, representing a value of $12.2 billion. Saskatchewan accounts for about 22% of the tonnage through the Port of Vancouver. On the markets today, the TSX has risen 39 points to 20,429. The Dow has fallen 335 points to 33,967. Well, has gone up 44 cents at $80.30 per barrel. The Canadian dollar is at 74.70 cents U.S. That's the Resource Report. If you missed any segment of the show, tune in to the On Demand Saskatchewan Agriculture Today podcast. Brought to you by Gowan Canada. Gowan Canada understands the challenges growers face and takes pride in finding effective crop protection solutions. Visit GowanCanada.com to learn more. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. I'm Jim Smalley. Good afternoon and good farming. You've been listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. If you missed any of the broadcast, download the podcast now online at 620CKRM.com. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, following the 12 o'clock news, on your voice for everything ag, 620 CKRM. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada. Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide.